Welcome to the Shalhaba Community Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. You know, those words blessed and poor are not words that we would normally associate together. And this statement is, is, is kind of out there. It's kind of Jesus takes his disciples up on the mountain and it's like, boom, here we go. Blessed and poor in the same sentence. What, what are you talking about here, Jesus? And this is very countercultural to what the disciples would have known about life. And in the first century, um, it was seen that, that a rich person was favoured by God. To be blessed is to be filled, is to be overflowing with wealth and health and security and happiness. This is the idea that the disciples had on what it meant to be blessed, um, to have this wealth and, and this excess and all these things. And so for Jesus, you know, these disciples, they've, they've kind of given up their careers, right? He's, he's, he's called them and they've given up their fishing or their tax collectors or whatever they've done. They've given up their careers and here they are sitting before Jesus and he comes out with this statement, that blessed are you when you're poor in spirit. Today, when someone receives a fortune or a new car or a bigger house, you may hear that person say, man, I'm just so blessed. And we certainly don't look at a poor person and say, you're, you're super blessed, man. I don't know how that would go down. Poor in spirit in the first century was a reference to someone who, who had been depleted, who was broken, who was empty, who someone who had come to the end of themselves. They had nothing left. There's some commentaries that say the mourning that Jesus refers to in verse, two, in verse 4 here is a specific reference to the Jews coming out of exile. So the Jews coming out of exile literally had nothing. They're, they're basically everything they had was gone. Their, their sense of security and value, and they, they had nothing. They were completely dependent on God. You know, I love the, the message version of this passage. This is what it says. It's really cool. It says, you are blessed when you are at the end of your rope. With less of you, there's more of God and his rule. You're blessed when you feel you have lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. It's beautiful. Blessed when we come to the end of our rope. I don't know how many of us would relate to that or feel that we are blessed when we've come to the end of ourselves, when we actually have nothing. But this is what Jesus is saying here. Jesus says, when you come to the end of your rope, when you come to the end of yourself, the end of your resources, when you can't rely on yourself to move forward, when you can't rely on yourself to get you out, when you no longer have self-reliance, when you no longer have independence, when you've lost all that you rely on, all your power, your wealth, your status, Jesus says, now you're blessed. You know, God created us to be completely dependent on him. That our sense of love and security and value and identity would be found in God and found in him alone. And Jesus says, I know the world you live in says that blessing is the opposite to that. I know that the world you live in says blessing is about wealth and status and power and excess and storing up for yourself things here on earth and having all the best toys. This is what the world says 
It means to be blessed. But my kingdom looks nothing like that. Jesus says, my kingdom is, is there's nothing like that. My kingdom is not about you filling this void, this hole inside you with, with money, with power, with possessions, with stuff. You know, I think the best analogy I've heard over the years about this, this void, this thing we have inside of us that is completely dependent on God, is just like there's a vacuum inside of us. And this vacuum just continually just draws out of wherever it is we find ourselves. We'll draw off the people, we'll draw off the culture, we'll draw off wherever we work and we fill this void inside of us. And it's like a bottomless pit. It just keeps drawing things and just keeps drawing things in. And this was always meant to be filled with God. And the problem is that we often fill it with stuff that is not Him. We often fill it with the things of that the world um, throws at us. Because of the fall, we tend to fill it with everything else apart from God. And, and in a sense, we become self-reliant rather than God-reliant. And so in the garden, we see Adam and Eve live in this place of complete dependence on God. All they had and all they received was from, from, was from God. They lived in this place of freedom. They lived in this place of of beauty in relationship with God where their complete dependence was on him and we know the story right the stinky slimy serpent rocks up and deceives Eve into thinking that she can become full she can fill that void she can fill that vacuum on something else other than God she tried to get full by acquiring something other than God through her own means through her own Approval. You don't need God to fulfill that void in your soul. You can fill that on your own. You don't need to rely on God. You can rely on yourself to fill that void, to fill that stuff, to fill that deep longing inside that each of us have. And so the assumption is that she can do better than relying on God, that she can be wise like God and do it on her own. And so I guess the question is, are we defining our own life or is God defining our life the essence of the fall is that we now try and define our own lives through filling it with stuff with power gaining wealth through relationships bigger houses cars we live to excess we store up way more than we need and when we do that we become dependent on ourselves and no longer need God and we don't like talking about it, but this is what the Bible calls idolatry. Anything that actually gets in the way of God filling that stuff inside of us is called idolatry. And there's thousands of passages throughout Scripture that talk about it. And so how do we know? How do, how do we know what is actually filling us up on the inside? How do we know if the void, if the, the vacuum is being filled with other stuff apart from God? Well, what, what, what's most important to you? What do we spend most of our time thinking about? What consumes all our time? What do we think about the most? What's our understanding of blessing? Is it related to owning stuff or power or a job or a position? Or is blessing related to becoming completely relying on God for emptying, for, 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 for everything? How much are we willing to give away? How tight do we hold on to the stuff that we have? How tight do we hold on to our money? 
How tight do we hold on to our possessions? How tight do we hold on to the power we have in our job at work? You know, a survey in Australia revealed that 73% of the top income earning churchgoers, so these are people that are earning over $158,000 a year. I don't know where they've done this survey, but uh, that's, a, that's a pretty decent wage, right? Um, how much do you think that they would give away? How, what percentage do you think that they would give away? So this is in Australia, and again, I would have, I think the survey was only a couple of thousand people. It would have been nice to see it spread. But anyway, nonetheless, I think the trend is there. It says they actually give away less than 0.6% of their income. The average income-earning churchgoer gives about 0.7% of their income away. I actually think we're incredibly generous church in the way we serve and love our community. And, and again, it's not about the statistics, but the trend is the more that we have, the less we actually give away. And so there's a sense that we can get caught up in, in, in the world stuff, in, in letting this void inside us be fulfilled with what the world assumes is blessing and what the world assumes is success. But Jesus is saying the complete opposite here. He's saying you are blessed when you become empty of this stuff because then I can begin to fill that void inside. Have you ever wondered why a billionaire still works 15, 18 hours a day? You know what? Because it's not about the money. It's the, it's the power. It's what it actually feeds inside them. It's got nothing to do with the money. But it feeds this void and, and their identity, their sense of value, their sense of everything comes out of that. This is what Jesus says, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. It's, it's like an addiction. The more you have, the more we want and the more it actually consumes us. And, and to purge that out of our life is, is, is literally like coming off a drug. It's uncomfortable. There's a mourning process that goes along with that. You know what? Jesus isn't saying don't have a house, don't have a car, don't have stuff. He's asking us how much do you rely on those things to fill that void, to give you a sense of success, to give you a sense of security, to give you a sense of this is what I need. Because we're called to seek his kingdom first and God will sort out the rest, right? You know, when I, I brought my first car, um, I'd saved up a heap of money and I was looking around for my first car and I actually, um, I, I took someone with me. He was a mechanic. You, most of you would probably remember Jeff Smith. And he was like a mentor to me when I was growing up and um, I'm super thankful. And he said to me, when we went to check out this car, he said to me, he said, Steve, you've got to let God use your car as well. And it took a while for that to sink in. But what he was saying is, Steve, this car's not yours, right? This car is, 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 is God's car. He's blessing you with this car. And so you need to use it for kingdom purpose. You need to use it to bless other people. And I'm so thankful for, I guess, that little life lesson at 18 or whatever I was when I bought my first car. And I guess that's filtered into everything in life. My house is not my house. I want my house to be used for a kingdom purpose. And so when I come home from work in the afternoon and half the neighborhood kids are there and a few extras and I go in to get something to eat out of the cupboard and there's nothing in the cupboard, I'm like, oh man, I'm blessed. <laughs> but deep down, I might have a bit of a thing, oh man, I'd like to have something to eat. But 
I don't care. That's cool. This is what my this is what I've surrendered over my house. I've surrendered over all I have to God to bless other people. And it, it needs to filter into our kids. You know, I've never officially stood on a stage and and dedicated my kids to God. But every single time I found out that we were pregnant and having another kid, we just took some time out and just prayed and said, God, this is not our kid. This is your kid. I want to dedicate our kids to, to your purpose, to, for, for, for your glory, God. And I just acknowledge my complete dependence to raise kids because half the time I've got no idea what I'm doing. Half the time I'm like, God, I think I'm going to wreck these kids. Please, you've got to intervene in this otherwise because I don't know what I'm doing here. <laughs> Thanks, Pat. You know, and it filters into our relationships as well. Relationships are one of those things that we can use to fill this void inside of us. You know, in, in our, my, my and Robin's early days, um, I can't remember how long we've been going. But anyway, but long story short, I really felt like God was saying, Steve, you need to give that relationship up. And I'm like, what? Are you serious? This is the girl that I want to, this is the girl I'm in love with. This is a girl I want to marry. This is a girl I can see me spending the rest of my life with. And I just had to kind of say, trust God in that, se- in that season and say, okay, all right, I'm not really sure what's going on. Hindsight's a beautiful thing, right? Um, what I realized was we'd almost become dependent on one another. That void inside, that thing inside was being filled off each other rather than allowing God to fill that thing. And here's what happens when we do that, right? It's, it's the only way I, was, I should have got a couple of people up, but I won't. Um, it's literally like you're leaning against the other person. There's like a, a teepee, so like, like this dependence. And the problem is when one person moves away, the other person falls over, right? I don't know if you can get that picture. But the problem is God was teaching us to stand on our own two feet, that this void, that this thing inside of us would be completely filled with him, teaching us how to stand on our own two feet. And then when he brought us back together, that's when we begin to experience intimacy. That's when we begin to experience the freedom that God actually designed relationships to be about. He didn't create us to be dependent on one another, to lean on one another. He created us to stand on our own two feet. And then when we come together, that's when we experience intimacy. That's when we experience the beauty of what marriage is all about. And so we can often let this void be filled with relationships, with stuff. You know what, God is the creator of it all. And so giving up our rights, our independence, our everything to God, it's not about getting acceptance. It's not about getting salvation. It's not about getting love. We already have that. Surrendering all we have for him to use for kingdom purposes. About becoming poor in spirit is about acknowledging that he owns it all. Jesus says, blessed are you when you are in exile. Blessed are you when you don't have stuff to cling to anymore. Blessed are you when you lose at the world's success game. Blessed are you when you lose power. Blessed are you when you reach the end of your rope. Blessed are you when you become empty. Blessed are you because now you can begin to come full with all that God has for you. When you have nothing left to fill yourself, we can become full with what God has for us. And we can truly know what it is to be freedom. We can truly know what it is to live in freedom. We can truly know what it is to have an identity that is found in Christ and not in what the world says about us. We can truly know what it is to have security. We can truly know what it is to to truly trust Him. 
And so we have to question, I guess, this ideology that we are blessed because we have so much stuff. That we're blessed because we have food and resources and power and wealth. Some would say, even say that we're favored by God because we have that stuff. You know what? It can be your blessing to have wealth and, and, all, and all that stuff that goes along with it. But we've got to use it in a kingdom way. We've got to surrender it over to the God that knows that we so easily become addicted on the stuff the world throws at us. Wealth is neither here nor there. What makes it a blessing is how we use it. Do we submit it to our king? Do we submit it to our God? Jesus and Paul warn us about the addictiveness of power and wealth. And you know what? It takes a whole lot of character to have it and not let it feed the void that's inside of us. You know what? The disciples still legally owned stuff. They had houses and boats and, and clothes, but their posture, their attitude, their spirit was, God, this is yours to use for your kingdom. This is yours to use for however you see fit, God. If you ask me to give it away, I'll give it away. If you ask me to enjoy it, I'll enjoy it. If God gives you boats and cars and all that cool stuff, and, and you know what? There's a, there's a blessing. There's a freedom upon that. Use it. Don't feel guilty about it. But how willing are we to give that stuff up? What does it feed on the inside of us? It goes on to say that blessed are those that mourn. And you know what? There's a mourning that comes when we begin to empty ourselves of this stuff that fills us from the world. There's a mourning that, that goes along with that. It's not comfortable. It's not something we like going through, and it's countercultural to where we live because our world says that anything that's a bit uncomfortable, anything that involves some, some pain and some discomfort and giving up things, don't do it. That's what our world says, right? But Jesus says, no, 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 you're blessed when you begin to empty yourself of this stuff because then I can begin to fill you. The process of giving something up we hold dear to, um, there's a mourning, there's, a, there's withdrawal symptoms, and, and all disciplines... I guess that that we have in the Christian life, it's it's literally like detoxing our bodies and detoxing our spirits of the stuff that our world throws at us. Some parts of the world that we can actually be thrown in prison still for following Christ. We can be tortured, we can even die for our faith. The world sees this as a curse because we're taught to avoid anything. That is pain and, and, and discomfort. But Jesus says, no, 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 you're blessed. This is the one true thing we need in life is to die to the stuff of this world, to the things that the world has to offer. Because now we can receive and finally become full with what our God has for us. When we become empty, now we can know what it is to truly be full. When we let go of everything we once held tight, now we can be held tight by the one who created us. When we've lost all our rights, we can begin to discover true freedom. When we've gone through this mourning process, we can begin to discover true joy and true comfort. I've got a couple more thoughts as I just invite the team to come. It's just as we finish up this morning. You know what, the cars, the houses, the boats, the stuff, it's nice. And if God allows us to have it, then enjoy it. Let's enjoy it and use it 
to build the kingdom. But true blessing is becoming empty that we might become full of the self-sacrificial love that, that Christ has for us. The self-sacrificial love that we see Christ have on the, on the cross. When we become full of that stuff, we begin to overflow. And this is how we begin to change the world in which we live in. When our sense of life and value and purpose that is found in God and what God says about us, that's blessing. When our sense of, of who we are, when our sense of purpose, when our sense of, of security in our future, you, you know, it's, in our climate, it's easy to get unsettled about where we're kind of heading, right, as a culture. And, and some of the decisions that are being made. But you know what? Our hope, our truth is always called to be in Jesus Christ. If there's any fear about our future, if there's any fear about our security of our future and what the state of this world looks like, if there's any fear in that, can I suggest that maybe we've just shifted our eyes off Christ for a moment? Because our hope, our truth, our security, our freedom, our identity, our, our joy, our hope, everything... It's, it's, it's not called to be set on a politician. It's not called to be set on a prime minister or what bill passes or what bill doesn't pass. Our hope, our truth is called to be set on Jesus Christ because it's his kingdom that is above all kingdoms. His kingdom that will reign to the end. It's his kingdom that brings about freedom and truth. And it is the same yesterday as it is today. That's where we get our sense of value. That's where we get our sense of security and value and everything that we are. When you no longer have to chase after the stuff of this world and you feel free to give stuff away now Jesus says you are blessed when we no longer cling to life because we know we have eternal life that's freedom that's blessing this is what Paul talks about when he says those who lose their life will find it this is how we display the amazing beautiful self-sacrificial love that Jesus displayed on the cross Jesus had all the power in the world, all the power in the world. If anyone had a right to stand up for things, it was him, and yet he laid it all down. He had all the power in the world, and yet he chose to lay that power down and die for you and for me and for every person on this planet, regardless of what they believe, regardless of whether they agree with us or not. There is no us and them. There's just us on this planet, and we're all on a journey heading towards him. Jesus had all the power in the world and yet he used it to communicate unconditional love for you and for me this morning. This is how we change the world in which we live in. This is what it is to be a follower of Christ. This is what it is for each of us. This is what we all truly need. And it's the opposite to the world in which we live in. You know, as we finish up this morning, I just want to encourage you just to close your eyes where you're at. And I just want to pray for us this morning because this is difficult, right? Um, I don't know, maybe God's put his finger on a few things for you this morning. So, you know what, I'm not convinced that, that every aspect of this void, this hole inside is getting filled with you, God. Maybe there's some stuff that I'm relying on maybe a little bit too much. Maybe I've got to release my grip on a couple of things this morning. You know what, I want to encourage you just right now. Maybe just use this moment because, you know what, in a moment, God can do something incredible. One moment. 
in the presence of God is enough to change the focus of our life, is enough to set us on a different course. Maybe right now in this moment, you just need to surrender over some stuff to Him. Maybe your prayer this morning is simply, God, I, I, I don't want the stuff this world has to offer. Help me, God. Help me, God, to begin to empty myself so that I've become full of all that you have for me. Comfort me, God, as I go through the mourning process of, of losing whatever it is that I hold on to so tight. God, I, I want to experience your freedom. I want to experience your truth. I want to experience what it is to truly be your disciple. I want to experience what it is to truly be a disciple. Father God, I just want to pray for each and every one of us this morning. Lord, we just surrender afresh to you this morning. Lord, we make a choice right here, right now to just maybe start the journey or wherever it is we are on a journey, Father God. We just declare that we want, Father God, the whole, we want the, the void inside of us to be filled with you and you alone, God. Lord, let's pray for your freedom over every single person this morning. Pray for your truth. You know, when Jesus was having this conversation that was a bit out there with the disciples. He wasn't distant. He was sitting right there. He wasn't distant pointing the finger saying, you need to get rid of this stuff. No, no, no. He's a God that chooses to engage and walk with us on the journey. He's not the distant God. He loves you. He cares for you. He wants what's best for you. And he walks with us through absolutely everything. Wherever it is that you find yourself this morning, I want you to just picture, I want you to imagine Jesus Christ is right there in the middle of, middle of that with you. Father, we give you thanks. We give you praise this morning. We surrender afresh. Lord, every day, Lord, may we have hearts and a posture to say thank you for all that you have given us. But God, we choose to empty ourselves, that you would bring freedom. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen.